Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about the ultimate purpose of faith. Praise the Lord. Let's make our confession as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the ultimate purpose of faith. And I actually had something else in mind that I was going to preach on. I was going to continue on along the lines of uh, the presence of the Lord. And we'll get back to that. But uh, there's a couple that we sponsor, Brian and Kara Sally. They are starting a, a work in Duvain, France. And they're going to pastor a church there, a startup church in Duvain, France, <clears throat> where there's not a Christian church that believes the way we do in like 300 villages in that area. So uh, it's a pretty remote area, and they're starting from scratch, and they're learning the language. And anyway, they used to be youth leaders when Trish and I were youth pastors in the mid-'90s. So we're very close to them. And she sent me something on Facebook. I guess it was about three or four days ago. And it was a seven-year memory, you know, those memory things that they give you every once in a while. Remember what you were doing so many years ago. Well, seven years ago, she put out a quote on Facebook that comes from me and my book, uh, Reflections of Space and Time. And the quote goes something like this. The ultimate purpose of faith is so that you can become the person God called you to become and do the thing that God called you to do. That's the ultimate purpose of faith. Anyway, when I saw that memory, it blessed me. And the Lord said, this is what I want you to preach on. I say, yes, sir. So that's what we're going to talk about. I preached at Monkey Junction at our facility there. I preached this message in August of 2016. So if you were there then, you've heard this before, but it's really good to hear it again. Amen. Hallelujah. So the ultimate purpose of faith. I want, I want to begin with an obscure scripture that most of you probably never heard of. Hebrews 11.6. That's a joke. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So three things stand out to me in this verse that we've all heard before. First of all, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to learn about faith and how to operate in faith. The other things that kind of jump out at me is that you first must believe that God exists. And then you must believe that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I like the way the NIV says it. It's even more clear. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Amen. Now, I grew up in word of faith circles. That's kind of the camp that I came from, but I don't like labels. I just believe the Bible. Amen. So many people in word of faith circles and other circles, they associate this Hebrews eleven six passage and this whole concept of faith. They associate it with using your faith to meet your immediate physical needs, housing, clothing, finances, transportation, and the healing of our bodies. Amen? We hear a lot of teaching along those lines, how to get your needs met. 
Although these are all legitimate uses of our faith and God expects us to believe him for these kind of things, faith has a much higher, much loftier purpose than just meeting our immediate physical needs. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, I love this passage. Jesus said, Take no thought saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what are we going to wear? Even the unbelievers seek after those things, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you worry so much about will be automatically added unto you. Amen. The problem is, We put the horse before the cart. We seek meeting our needs and neglect seeking him. He said, seek me. Seek my righteousness. Seek my purpose for your life. Use your faith for those kind of things. If you use your faith for those kind of things, well, then the other is just going to be a natural consequence and it's going to come to you without a whole lot of effort. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So having said that, the most important purpose of our faith is to live a life that is pleasing to God. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And to live a life that is pleasing to God is to become the person that God created you to be so that you reach the people God created you to reach and do the things that God called you to do, right? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And inside every true child of God, there is a yearning desire to know why you were created, to know your purpose, to know your destiny. It's it's common to everybody. I don't know any serious believer who's not constantly thinking about, am I in the will of God? In fact, I think most believers obsess over it too much because more than likely, If you're out of the will of God, he'd let you know, you know, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're not reaching the people you're supposed to reach. You're not becoming the person he called you to become. Trust me, he knows how to get to you and say, hey, we need a course correction here. Hey, you're going in entirely the wrong direction. Let's go this direction. He is able to get it over to you. So chances are you are right now smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, I say there is this yearning desire to be the person God called you to be and to fulfill your destiny. It's inside all of us. It's even inside unbelievers. There's an innate knowing in unbelievers. It says in Romans chapter one, they know on the inside that God exists. And then it's confirmed when they look at nature, when they look at the stars. When they look at the creation, there's an innate desire, even in the unbelievers and even unbelievers want to know, what am I here for? What's my purpose on this planet? Even the unbeliever asked that question. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the reason that innate desire is in you is because God put it in there. Amen. Hallelujah. God put it in there. It says that Jesus was the light of God that lit the heart of every man that came onto the earth. It says that over in John chapter 1. Okay, So there's a light on the inside of every human being that says God exists. 
do something with this knowledge. The problem is in Romans chapter 1, it says the unrighteous, they suppress that truth. They push it down and refuse to acknowledge it. But trust me, if they ever let the cap off that thing, it come gushing out. Amen? Because inside you, there's a burning, yearning desire to please God and be the person He created you to be and do the things He called you to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me share a testimony along those lines. This was the 26th of January, the year 2000. And we were living in Shreveport at the time. And this was the northeast bedroom, the northeast upstairs bedroom of 9307 Belden Drive in Shreveport, Louisiana. Channeling a little Brother Hagen there. Some of you old timers will get that. He always, every time he had an encounter, he would always fix it geographically. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, Trish and the kids, uh, my daughters were all young there. They were all preteens. And uh, they were downstairs watching wall-the-wall chick flicks. I had enough of the chick flicks. And so about midnight, I said, I'm going to bed. So I went up to bed. I laid down. And immediately, the presence of God filled the room. I mean, it was such a powerful encounter. I was pinned to the bed. The weightiness of God just pinned me to the bed, not in an oppressive or a scary way, but I just knew that God was in the room. And then I I heard the wind began to blow in the room and the curtains on the uh, windows began to flap and the bed sheets that I had over myself began to flap. Only no windows were open. No doors were open. No air conditioning was running. It was the Holy Spirit wind of God. And then a ball of fire came through the ceiling and rested on my head and shoulders. And the Lord began to speak to me about some things in my life that had to do with the person I was created to be so that I reached the people I was created to reach and did the things that I was created to do. I was off the mark. I was not pursuing what he called me to be. And he was calling me to account. God will call you to account if you're stubborn in yielding to his will. He will eventually call you to account. You know, you've heard of the come to Jesus meeting. You know, those really do happen. You know, this was one of those. And uh, I tell you what my reaction was. And my whole point of my story is I don't want to go into the details of that encounter. But the whole point of the story as Jesus stood on the foot of my bed and began to talk to me about some things he wanted me to deal with. This is what erupted out of my spirit. I began to weep. I raised my hands and it took me about 20 seconds. I mean, the the power of God was so strong. It took every bit of effort I could to just put my hands in the air. And even just to speak, it came out in mumbles. And I'm streaming tears down my face. And I said, oh, Lord, the greatest desire of my heart is to be the person you call me to be so that I reach the people you call me to reach and do the thing that you call me to do. Make me more like your son, Jesus. Make me more like him. Burn off anything in my life that's not righteous or holy. I said this as I'm surrounded by a ball of fire on my head and shoulders. So my point is, There is a burning, yearning desire in your heart 
to be the person God called you to be. And if you ever get in the presence of God, that's going to come out. It's going to come out because it's in there. Now, let me back that up with Scripture. I don't like to share encounters like that with the, without backing them up with Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I like the way the Amplified says it. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Amen. Amen. That burning, yearning desire to be the person God called you to be is in you. All you have to do is yield. Amen. Yield. Yield to that desire. Yield to that thing that's stirring on the inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the desire is in there on the inside of you to fulfill your divine calling in life. God put it in there. I believe he stirred it up when you got born again. Personally, I believe that when you are conceived, the plan of God is is put inside you in seed form. Then when you get born again, you become aware of it. Then when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he turns on the afterburners. Amen. Forgive the former fighter pilot jargon there, but he turns on the afterburners. Amen. Hallelujah. So with this in mind, let's go back to Hebrews eleven six. Let's read it again and let's talk about those key points. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. You got to learn to operate by faith if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Amen. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. In order for us to begin the journey down the path that God has for us, there are two necessary first steps. One, you have to believe that God exists. You got to acknowledge that God exists. Is the God of the universe, okay? And I don't want to go into that in a whole lot of detail because if you don't believe that God exists, you got nothing to start with, you know? So the first thing you got to know is that God exists. And you must earnestly pursue a relationship with Him. You must seek Him with all of your heart. And when you do, I believe He not only reveals Himself to you, but then He unfolds your destiny step by step by step. The closer you get to him, the more he reveals to you what he's called you to do. He gives you a glimpse of what he's called you to do and then gives you the steps to get from where you are now to that place in him that he sees. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you seek the God of the universe with all of your heart, he will reveal himself to you and will bring you into right relationship with him. Amen. If you earnestly pursue a relationship with God, he will reveal his purpose for your life and will reveal your personal destiny. Amen. And once we discover our purpose and we get a glimpse of our destiny, we have to exercise a lifestyle, a lifetime of faith if we're going to fulfill it. Amen. To really get a better feel for this concept, let's look at 
Hebrews 11.6 in its proper context. Let's begin at Hebrews 11.1, okay? Hebrews 11.1. And we're going to read through Hebrews 11.8. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Do you want to obtain a good report from the Lord? Then operate by faith. Live a lifestyle of faith. Amen. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Listen to this. There's a recurring phase here. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it, he being dead yet speaketh by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Why? Because he walked by faith. Amen. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's where it fits in sequence. And then again, we pick it up again with that same phrase. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Glory to God. Amen. So when you get to verse 3, if you're following along in your Bible or in your device, you know, we might assume that the writer's referring to the creation of the world because he says, uh, it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. But you need to take a closer look at the original language And although I think this could be broadly applied to the creation of the universe by faith, he spoke the worlds into being. I think uh, if you read not just between the lines, but if you read the original language, I believe the writer is being a little bit more specific because verse two says, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. So the subject of this whole hall of fame of faith chapter is the elders and the good report that they received because they did something by faith. Amen? Glory to God. So, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. So, let's take a closer look at verse 3. Let's break it down into the original language. The word translated as worlds there is actually the word eon, and it means specific, allotted, Periods of time. The word translated framed can also mean molded, shaped, or transformed. The phrase by the word of God can also be translated by a word of God. So, and the last part of the verse literally means that the invisible force of faith brought into being things that were not there before. Amen. So you put all that together, and let's take another reading of that verse, 
you put all that together and we see that the elders through the operation of their faith during their specific allotted periods of time on the earth completely transformed the world and the age around them, changing events, people, circumstances, even history itself, because they received a word from God. And they ran with it. They received it by faith, and they literally changed and framed the environment around them. Amen. I want to operate in faith to the point that I change and frame the environment around me. Circumstances begin to change and bend because of my faith. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's the way I want to live. Somebody says, you know, how you doing? I say, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. I always say, what are you doing under there? If you're a believer, if you're walking by faith, you should be walking on top of your circumstances. That's what Jesus did when he walked on the water. Amen. He wasn't going to let a storm stop him. I'm going to walk on top of the storms in my life. Amen. Glory to God. Whoo. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Anybody here besides me excited about that? Listen, if the Old Testament saints can bend and shape and frame the world around them and their environment and change their circumstances, how much more can spirit-filled, born-again believers do it in this age? Amen. We have something they didn't have. We have the power of God living on the inside of us. There's raising from the dead power living on the inside of you. Amen. I had a dream years ago that I walked into a hospital room and there was a young man there that had just been pronounced dead. He had black hair and a mustache. He was surrounded by family and friends. And I walked in inspired by the Holy Ghost and I slapped him on the forehead and I said, I command you to breathe in Jesus name. And he went and he sat up in the bed. Now that dream has not manifested yet, but I fully expect it to because God wouldn't show me something like that if he didn't want me to sink my faith teeth into something like that. Amen. Glory to God. Now, there's people in this room that have raised the dead. So it's not an uncommon thing. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, you think I've done great works? You're going to do greater works than I did. Because I go to the Father. You're going to carry on my work and you're going to do works in my name that will astound the world. Listen, Jesus, I heard one preacher say, well, you know, we'll never do miracles greater than what Jesus did. You know, maybe as an aggregate body of Christ, we will. But you know what? That's wrong thinking. Jesus said, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. Okay? So, You think Jesus is going to be upset if you raise 10 people from the dead and he only raised three? Well, I got news for you. It wasn't you raising them from the dead anyway, so he still gets the credit. Amen. Hallelujah. You do it in Jesus name. You're doing it representing him. Hallelujah. There's no glory for you. There's no possibility of you upstaging Jesus. So just don't worry about it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's talk about Abraham, and we're going to wrap it up. Abraham is, is obviously the prime example of yearning to be the person that God called him to be and then, and then taken off down a road 
without not even really knowing where he's going. That, that, you know, that's got to take faith. I want you to leave Ur the Chaldees, and I want you to head down this road, and I'll tell you when to stop. <laughs> that's essentially what God said. I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Just go. Glory to God. And that took some faith. That took some faith. So Abraham was born in Ur of the Chaldeans and was raised in the culture of the Chaldeans. His father, Terah, was a maker of idols in a city that believed in many gods, the highest of which was Nana, the moon god. Now, the Chaldeans were known for their skill in astronomy, but they were also known for their practice of astrology, which is a perversion of astronomy in order to practice the dark arts, amen, or to foretell the future by spirits other than the Spirit of God. And out of this culture of darkness, which worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars, God called Abraham, Genesis fifteen seven, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus wrote that Abraham was a gifted astronomer and mathematician. My kind of guy. Amen. Hallelujah. And rabbinic tradition also held that Abraham looked at the motion of the planets, the moon, looked at the stars, and he became convinced over a period of time that there had to be one true God who made all the universe by observing the stars. Amen. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 3. It's nothing more than a manifestation of this verse. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Whose voice? The voice of the stars, the voice of the planets, The voice of the universe is speaking constantly to anyone who will look and listen and saying, there is a God and this is his handiwork. If you want to see what he's like, look at this universe that is almost infinite, almost limitless in its expanse. Look at the billions of stars. Look at these things and then tell me there is no God. No rational thinking human being who is honest with himself can look at the starlit sky and say there is no God. In fact, the Bible says in two places, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God for two reasons. Number one, the evidence screams to the contrary. And number two, you know it's not true. Even these big atheists and all these guys with PhDs, listen, I got a PhD. That ain't no big thing. If I didn't believe God my Ph.D. would not do anybody any good. I mean, my thinking is, if you're not helping people with your Ph.D., and you've heard this before, it might as well stand for a post-hole digger. And that's an insult to honest post-hole diggers. (laughs) You know, because they work hard for a living, you know. Praise God, people have degrees, but it does not make them wise. They may be intelligent, they may be educated, But if they look at the stars and say it all happened by accident, they are not wise. The Bible says they're fools. It says their foolish heart was darkened in Romans chapter 1 because they worshiped the creation rather than the creator. Glory to God. 
Don't be like that. I know everybody in here is born again. Everybody in here is saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So after 75 years of observing the heavens, Abraham eventually rejected the culture of Ur and turned his heart to seek the one true God of the universe. As a result, God revealed himself to Abraham, one of the benefits of seeking him, and brought him into right relationship with him and gave him a glimpse of his divine destiny. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is a mind blower here. Now, he's 75 years old. How'd you like to be 75 when you finally got the plan of God for your life? Seemed like you, it's better. It proves, the Bible proves it's never too late to pursue the plan of God for your life. Amen. And I'll say to some of the people in here, including myself, that may be getting a little longer in the tooth, it's never too late to start on a new faith journey for God. Never too late. Never too late. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Glory to God. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Listen, God used elements of the creation to progressively reveal to Abraham his divine destiny. He spoke of dust, stars, and sand. Genesis thirteen sixteen, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Genesis fifteen five, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Genesis twenty two seventeen, That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Amen. Abraham received a word from God, and as a result of his faith, the Hebrew people came forth, the word of God came forth, and the son of the living God, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, came forth. Because one man took one word from God and ran with it. Amen. No wonder he's called the father of our faith. Talk about a divine destiny. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I got you all stirred up just to wind you down with a wrap up. Amen. To summarize, God rewarded Abraham by revealing himself to him and bringing him into right relationship with him and giving him a glimpse of his divine destiny. The same principle applies today. If there are unbelievers out there, if they will seek the true God of the universe, he will reveal himself to them. He will bring them into right relationship with him and he will reveal to them their personal destiny on planet earth. Amen. Notice, that Abraham grew up believing in many gods, an ungodly, dark theology, and yet God was able to get to him 
through the stars. The very thing that fascinated Abraham. He was an astronomer. He was a mathematician. The very thing that the enemy was using for dark purposes. God said, oh, yeah, I'm going to take you one step further and I'm going to show you why I exist. Just keep looking at the stars the way that you are, Abraham, and you'll see the truth. And actually, I wasn't going to share this, but actually what it was that convinced Abraham, according to Josephus, and I believe it's plausible, even though Josephus is not scripture. Rabbinic tradition states that Abraham was intrigued by the irregularity of the motion of the planets and the stars. You know, why does the earth revolve around the sun 365.25 days? Why not something more precise or more exact? You see, the Chaldeans believed that all the planets were gods, okay? And so he reasoned if they were gods, they would regulate their motions with a little bit more precision. And because of the imprecision and the irregularity of the way the planets revolved around the sun, he said, this says to me that there's somebody greater than all these planets who presume to be gods that's in control of everything. And that's why Abraham said, I'm going to seek that God. The one that set all of this in motion, no pun intended. Or pun intended. Talk about the motion of the stars and the planets. Amen. And the moon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so much for the question. Well, what about people who live in pagan cultures who worship pagan gods? And have never heard of Jesus Christ. The answer is, God will find a way to get through to them. He'll use creation to convince them that he exists. And then inevitably, he'll bring them to the word of God. And then once you find the word of God, it's just a matter of time before you find out that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So don't worry about those people that live in those cultures out in these far remote places. God can get to them. And if they respond, they'll get saved. They'll get born again. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't going to share this. Here's another tidbit. I won't charge you for this either. But I met a man at a conference. His name was Brother James, little Indian man, brown Indian man, precious brother in the Lord. He oversaw like a thousand churches in the nation of India. Now, at this conference in 1995, at that time, now this is dated. This is over 20 years ago. He had already raised 25 people from the dead in the nation of India. He was moving in signs, wonders, and miracles. It was really funny. He ministered one day at the conference, and he got up there, and he would preach until the anointing came, and then he would stop preaching. He said, anointing is here. Anointing is here. You need healing. You need anything. Come. Anointing is here. You know? And, man, people just start falling like flies, getting healed instantly. The guy was just, he just knew how to move and operate in the flow of the Holy Ghost. But Brother James grew up a Muslim in India. You know, there's a significant population of Muslims in India. They're not all Hindus. And he grew up in a caste that was a slave. So they did not allow him to learn to read or write and just said, you don't need it. You're going to be a slave. You're going to be a servant. That's, that's your lot in life. And so Brother James, when he was a young man, a preteen, he would go out into the jungle at night, and wouldn't you know, he would observe the stars of heaven. 
He said something stirred on the inside of him. And so he began to pray to the God of the universe. Lord, the one who made the stars, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know. I don't think this Islamic thing is working for me. There's got to be more. There's got you got to be greater than the God that they describe. Reveal yourself to me. All because he looked at the stars. And one day after praying like that for I I can't remember how long, but he went out there and he sought the Lord. He sought the one who created the universe. And what did I say? When you seek the Lord, he will reveal himself to you. Jesus appeared to him in the jungle one night and said, I am Jesus. If you want to be saved, you need to learn about me. You need to get a hold of a Bible and read the Bible. And he told the Lord, I don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. And the Lord said, if you'll meet me in the jungle at such and such a time. This is a true story. I heard this firsthand. Meet me in the jungle this time, this date, every day for X number of hours. I will teach you how to read in your language. Then you can go get a a Bible in your language and read the Bible and learn more about me. There's another lesson there. It's not all about visions. It has to be grounded in the word of God. Even Jesus, when he appeared to James in person, said, you want to learn more about me? Don't seek visions. Seek the word of God. Seek the word of God. And so, you know, the rest of the story, he learned to read taught by Jesus himself. After he could read well enough to read his Bible, Jesus didn't appear to him again. He said, you're on your own now. Read your Bible by faith. And so he read his Bible. He got saved. He got filled with the spirit. He grew up to be a great man of God. And now, like I said, this is 20-year-old information. Lord knows how many churches he's over now. He was over a 1,000 back then. So don't worry about these people who live in pagan cultures. And when somebody comes up with that question, just let them know God will find a way. He's God. I don't care whether they heard of Jesus or not. He'll find a way. He'll get to them. And then the choice is up to them. Either believe or reject that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to borrow a line from my pastor, Pastor Sam. Did y'all get anything out of that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here that their heart would be flooded with light because of the word that went forth today. Father God, if they're not quite the person you've called them to be, Lord, stir in their heart that desire to be that person, to do the thing that you called them to do and reach the people you called them to reach. I pray it by faith in the name of Jesus and everybody in agreement. Say with me, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed today's message, The Ultimate Purpose of Faith. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. Faith Life Wilmington.